your people today. Lord, we are here, Lord, to please you today, to come before you today, Lord, with supplications, with prayers of thanksgiving and praise unto you, Jesus. You are so worthy, God. You are so worthy, God. Lord Jesus, we are so blessed. Oh, God, we are so, God, uh, Lord, blessed to have life and health and breath in our bodies today. We are blessed, oh, God, to have your spirit and power dwelling in us. Uh, Lord, we are blessed, oh, God, to have hunger and thirst today. Lord, we are blessed to be drawn by you today, Lord. Uh, Lord, draw us today. Lord, draw us closer today. Draw us closer in that relationship that we have with you today. Draw me closer, O God, than I've ever been to you today. Don't leave me where I'm at today, Lord Jesus. Don't leave me, O God, in the same place I was when I walked in the door today. Take me to a deeper place, O God. Take me higher, Lord Jesus. Take me, O God, to a place I've never been before in you, O God. Take me to a place, O God, in you, Lord, in the Spirit, God, that I have yet to, O God, that I have yet to attain to, O God. Lord Jesus, show us your glory today. Show us a glimpse of your glory, Jesus. Show us a glimpse, O God, of your majesty, Lord. Show us a just a glimpse of your plan and purpose and will, Lord, in our life, O God. Hallelujah. We, oh, God, my God, my God, my God. We're so glad, oh, God. We're so happy, Lord. What a pleasure it is to be in your presence today, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Well, we're together again, just praising the Lord. We're together again in one accord. Something good is going to happen. 
Something good is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. Oh, yeah. Just praising the Lord. Well, we're together again. Oh, in one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. Just praising the Lord. We're together again. In one accord. Something good is going to happen. Thing good is in store. We're together again. Oh, just praising the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Clap your hands and love the Lord this morning, Jesus. Hallelujah. Jesus. Something good is going to happen. Something good is not always something comfortable. You didn't think so when you were the kid and you had to eat your vegetables, but your mom and dad sat there and said, this is a good thing, son, eat your vegetables. And it wasn't fun for you. It was exciting for your parents when you ate your broccoli. So if you're coming to the house of the Lord expecting to feel good about yourself and and uh, to feel to feel comfortable and relaxed, you come here for the wrong reason. Because if you look at Paul's ministry, <laughs> it just seems like every time he wrote a letter, he was getting on somebody about something. He was challenging the church. He was challenging them beyond the status quo. And so I, came, I come here every service. I come here to be challenged. I come here with the expectation that when God uses me to speak, He's not only going to use me to speak to you, but He's going to be talking to me. Because I need that. And then when this man gets up here to speak, I'm, I'm hungry, I'm thirsty. I come here ready for God to give me some, something that I haven't heard before. Something that will challenge me to, to, to not be comfortable in where I am serving God. Because that's what the enemy wants, is for you to get comfortable. Just relax. Just be comfortable. It's okay. Just hang out until Jesus comes. That's what the enemy wants you to believe. But that's not what he called the church for. Amen? Hallelujah. Colossians three twenty-two through 24. It's not on your... I didn't give that one to the guy in the booth, but the Lord prompted me to read this this morning. It says, Servants... We're all servants. We're not about ourselves. We didn't get into this thing to to please me. When we came to that altar and we repented, we, we gave up our rights. And if you haven't if you don't remember that, you need to go back and, and re- resurrect that and remember that you gave up your rights. 
This this pastor right here has said it. The previous pastor has said it. You don't have any rights anymore. When you come to serve the Lord, you're a servant. Servants don't have rights. They have the right to obey the master. That's the only right they have. They don't have a right to their opinion. They don't have a right to anything else. But I remember reading a story in the Bible about a servant who was so excited about serving his master when it was come time for him to be set free, he didn't want to be. He said, as a matter of fact, take me out to the front doorpost and put my ear up against the doorpost and punch a hole in my ear and mark me forever as belonging to you. Don't you want to belong to the Lord this morning? Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh. What does that mean? It means obey your boss at work. Whoever is your master according to the flesh. Right? Not with eye service. Just That's kind of like saying not with lip service. Yeah, yeah, whatever you say, boss. And then do the opposite. <laughs> Nobody does that, right? Not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Don't fear what man can do to you, one scripture in the Bible says, but fear the God that can that can destroy your body and your soul in hell. But that doesn't mean you don't be obedient and submitted to your boss at work or to whoever God puts over you in your life as a head or as a, someone in a position of leadership or headship in your life. That could just be husband and wife, parents and children, pastor and saints. It could just it could run the gamut right there. And whatsoever you do, what does that include? That includes anything. Just fill it in. Fill in the blank. Anything you do in life as a servant of the Most High God, fill in the blank. That's what that's talking about. Do it heartily as unto the Lord, as to the Lord, and not to men. Do we please God or men? Are we supposed to please God or men? We're not supposed to please. I want to. I want to. In a sense, I want to please my boss. In the sense that I want him to know that he can depend on me to be there on time, to do what I'm supposed to do while I'm there, and to make to do everything I can to do be the very best employee that I can be, the very best customer service guy that I can be. And I don't, I'm not doing it to please my boss. I'm doing it as if I'm working for God and me directly at work. Because guess who's keeping an eye on you while you're at work? Your boss can't always see you. But God's standing right there with you the whole time. Knowing that the Lord, that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance. For ye serve the Lord Christ. We serve Him today. And whether you say amen or not, doesn't really matter. <laughs> but you got to want to. Anybody ever heard the term having a teachable spirit? You know what that means? So, as a student in school, you can go to class... Jesse, and you can sit in class with all the other 25 students or whatever, 
And you can just be a student in class, but if you don't want to be there, if you don't want to learn, if this is just messing with your whole mojo or whatever, you're just going to sit there like a bump on a log, and no matter what they say, you're just going to go, yeah, whatever, yeah, whatever. That's not having a teachable spirit. Having a, I love this definition. Having a teachable spirit means you have to be willing to be taught. And it even goes further than that. <laughs> you have to be willing to be wrong and admit you're wrong about something, about whatever that teacher's teaching. You have to be willing to say, oh, I thought I knew everything, but I didn't know that. And we have to be willing to be teachable in this thing that we are in. Because if you're a kid in a classroom and you just shut the teacher off, you're trust me, you're not going to learn a thing. But if you want to be there, if you if you know you need this today, and God, I'm here today. I'm not just here to be a bump on a log. I'm here to, to gain something. I'm here to leave this place different than when I came in. You have to be willing to be taught. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I wasn't even fully in church yet. I think it was like the second service. The pastor's wife walked up to me and said, You have such a teachable spirit, Brother DeMuth. And I was just blown away by that. Nobody had ever said anything like that to me. And I, when I heard that, it was like, I, I, Wow. I'm going to continue to, whatever it takes to be like that, I want to stay being like that. Because it just felt good to know that somebody saw that in me. And if she saw that in me, guess what? That means God saw that in me. And I I don't ever want to lose that. To be able to have a teachable spirit, to be able to to have somebody in your life that can tell you no. You can't do that. That's what it means to be submitted to somebody, to a pastor, to someone in leadership over in your life. Somebody, You've got to be able to have somebody in your life be able to tell you no, and you receive that. Right? How many wants to be teachable today? It's whatever, the things that God uses me to say up here, as long as this man doesn't correct me, and he will if he has to, God's going to say some things to you from my voice and from this man's voice and from anybody else that gets up here that's not going to feel good. It's going to challenge your, your, where you are right now. It's going to challenge your status quo. I want that. God, don't leave me where I am, please. Don't let me be settled and satisfied with where I'm at. Don't let me say, well, I'm done growing. Just because I'm old. You don't, the, only t- the only moment in your life when you stop should stop learning is when, when we're, we're saying great words about you when you're laying in a box. That's when this, the learning stops. Until then, you better, you better ask God if you don't have one to give you a teachable spirit. I'm giving you that for free. You need you need God to give you a teachable spirit. If you don't have one, you need that. Everybody say, I need that. You need that. Whether you open your mouth and said it or not, you need that. Because you can't be saved without it. 
just because Paul got the Holy Ghost and got baptized and became the greatest preacher we ever known, did that mean that the learning stopped? When he was laying there on a, on a pile on the ground with a bunch of stones laying on top of him, he was learning something <laughs> through that. <laughs> I mean, I could imagine me, I'd be saying, is there, isn't there a better way for me to learn something? <laughs> Do I have to be stoned? God, can't you just tell me? I would have just received it if you just told me. <laughs> no, no, you had to be stoned. And I'm not done with you, Paul, so get up. Quit your wine and get up and let's go. He could have just laid there and died, but he didn't. Praise God. Hallelujah. <laughs> that wasn't in my notes. <laughs> the Great Commission. The Great Commission. We're commissioned. It's a co-mission. What's a mission? You're on a mission. Mission Impossible, right? What, what's, what's that tape say? <laughs> this is your mission. If you choose to receive this, whatever, however, I don't know. You know what I'm talking about, James Bond and all that. What's that? Should you choose to accept it? How many accepts the mission? You've been commissioned. You've been commissioned. All right. If you said you accepted it, then God's, you need to be willing to understand that God's going to use you in ways that He is not even going to tell you about till the moment He uses you. And you're going to go, whoa, whoa, wait, wait. God, I can't do that. Yeah, you can. But I'm not asking you to do it. I'm just asking you to let me do it through you. That's what it is. It's a co-mission. We're just making ourselves available. He'll give you what to say. He'll tell you where to go. He stopped Philip in the middle of whatever he was doing and said, I need you to go talk to this one guy. And God translated him there just so he could get there on time. Who's God telling you he wants you to go talk to? Who, who, is, who is it that God's telling you, stop what you're doing and go do this? How many of us are actually listening and hearing God's voice telling us that? And it goes beyond that. You've got to be willing to say, okay, I'm going. It's just like I heard one preacher say, when it's quiet, that means something's happening. <laughs> You're thinking. So we were given the Great Commission in the New Testament in actually five different places. Five. I'm not going to read them. Matthew 28, 16 through 20. We all know Matthew 28, 19. Go ye there, everyone. Teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and all that. Mark 16, 14 through 18. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth not shall be damned. You know, you all know where that one's at. You can go read that. Luke 24, 44 through 49. And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. Where? Beginning Where? In Jerusalem, that was key right there. Where did the day of Pentecost happen? In Jerusalem, in an upper room, right? And it spilled out from there, right? John twenty nineteen through twenty one. That's the one where he goes up into the room and tells, and he he upbraids the disciples with their unbelief. And he he he, uh, he reads them the riot act one minute, and then the next minute he tells them to go. All right, guys, 
I scolded you. Now get up off, just get up and go. Don't sit in this room. Get out there and go. If God sent me, is what he said, so send I you. What did Jesus do when he walked on this earth, Brother Richard? He went about doing good. He never slept anywhere. He never had his own apartment. He didn't have his own donkey. He didn't have nothing. What he had was the gospel. And he went everywhere ministering to people. He went to the rich and ministered to them. He went to the poor. He went to the lame. He went to the blind man on the road. He went to the leper. He went to everybody. And every time they asked Jesus, why are you doing this? Why are you saying this? Why are you going there? What was his answer? It's not me doing it. It's not me saying it. It's my father. He's telling me to do this stuff. He's telling me to say this stuff. He's telling me to go here and go there. And he would tell them, I know you don't understand. I know you don't realize who it is that I, that I am. Even when he said... When he called himself I am, they still didn't get it. <laughs> These Jews who knew what I am meant still didn't get it. And then the final place that he talks about the Great Commission is in Acts chapter 1, verse 4 through 8. Right? And that's the one where he says, You shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you shall be. You shall receive power. You shall be witnesses unto me. Shall means what? You shall start working at wherever it is you're going to work, right? You will. It's a done deal, right? The hiring process is over. You will be going to work. You shall. Not you might. You shall. You shall be witnesses unto me. You shall receive power. Receiving the Holy Ghost is not just God filling you with with His Spirit and you talking in tongues and that's the end of it. That's the beginning of it. That's just the sign. (laughs) I mean, that's just getting in the door, right? Like, Like was just said. What do you need that power for? Whatever He needs you to use it for. He told told him in one place, heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Every Every person in this world, child all the way up to elder that has the Holy Ghost and is baptized in Jesus' name, has the same power to cast out devils, to do all those things in Jesus' name. But do we do that? Or do we expect somebody else to do it? God didn't commission you to throw that off on somebody else. He commissioned you. 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 He called you. He set you apart. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. You don't get to have a say. If you have a teachable spirit, you don't get to have a say. It's like I used to tell my sons, you're entitled to your opinion. You're just not entitled to express your opinion. 
you're welcome to have an opinion all you want. But there were certain times I said, it's just not, not right now is not the time for you to express your opinion. Have it all you want. There will come a time when you're, you'll be able to express your opinion. And our opinion don't matter to God. If he, if he wanted your opinion, he would ask you for it. <laughs> Sounds like a parent thing, right? <laughs> but he is our father, isn't he? We gave up the right to express our opinion. And you know what? If you express your opinion to God about something, he'll listen. He's not just, he's not an ogre. He'll listen if you have a question. He will. If you have a sincere question, he'll answer that. But he still wants, that doesn't negate the fact that he still wants you to be commissioned to go. If all I do in ministry is behind the doors of my safe space, this church building, it's unbelief and hardness of heart. Is the only way someone can hear the gospel is by responding to an invitation to our safe space. That's not original with me, but I just really liked it. It just fit. Is the only way someone can hear the gospel by responding to an invitation to our safe space? Is that the only way? It's not even scriptural that way at all. (laughs) We're supposed to take the gospel with us. Just like a guy with a bag full of seeds goes out in the field and Starts reaching in and grabbing handfuls of seeds and just doing one of these like this. Reaches in another, keeps walking. Throws another big handful of seeds, keeps walking. Another handful of seeds. Another handful of seeds. Do you need to have a, a doctoral degree or any kind of Bible study, you know, Bible college to do that? No. Casting seed is easy. You don't care where it goes, what you do. You want it to go in the field, right? Where's the field? The Bible says the world. The field is the world. The the person casting the seed, the guy that's got the, the fancy seeder out here, he's pulling that thing behind his tractor. All he knows is that seed's going in the ground. That's about the extent of it. Beyond that, he can't make that seed grow. He can't. He could spend a lot of money and try to water it himself, but he's really dependent on God and the rain and the sunshine to make that seed do something. So we got to go out there and cast the seed. Even if it lands on stony ground, we still got to cast the seed. That's the commission. We got to cast the seed. If they come in here, that's great. But the people in the Bible went from house to house. They didn't go door knocking. Not what it says. In their culture, they went from house to house to people they knew. Their neighbors, their family, their friends, people they knew in the community. That had that weren't there maybe on the day of Pentecost. Maybe they were way far back in the crowd. They didn't quite hear everything. And so they went and told them. This is what happened. Because they, when they received the Holy Ghost, had anybody ever received the Holy Ghost before that? Never. Not one. So did they know what it was going to feel like, look like, act like, smell like? Nobody did. 
All they knew was it was called the promise of the Father. All they knew that Jesus said, you shall receive power. After that, this thing called the Holy Ghost has come upon you. Holy Spirit come upon you. Before the church was even born, Jesus was commanding and commissioning individuals to go and proclaim the kingdom. Did you ever think about that? The Great Commission came before there was ever a thing called the church. So it wasn't to the body necessarily. It was to individuals. He was looking at each one of those guys when he gave that commission. You, I want you to go. 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 You to go. I want you to go. It was to individuals. It was personal. The new birth and the new covenant was going to change everything. It was going to upset the status quo. The Jews had been doing things for centuries a certain way. They had been doing their religious traditions a certain way for centuries, and it really upset the whole deal. Think about that. I grew up Catholic until until I was about 19 or 20. That's all I knew. And I can still repeat and regurgitate some of that stuff to this day. Because they still do it the exact same way to this day. And if I went to, I would never voluntarily go there, but if I had to go for a funeral or something, I could sit in a Catholic service and I could just, under my breath, repeat everything they're saying before they say it. Because it's the same. And that's what drew me to this. It wasn't repetitive. It wasn't religious. There was something different about this that was just, just drew me. And that was by design. So the, the Great Commission was designed to launch the church into existence. Because what did they do after the day of Pentecost when 3,000 were added? They immediately went out and did what exactly he said to do. In Matthew sixteen eighteen, Jesus says, And I said, And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter, and upon this rock, or this firm foundation, this source of the flow of his spirit and power, I will build my church. He said he would build his church. So does that mean we have to build the church? No. He said he'd build the church. If we just go do what we're supposed to do, he said he would build the church. And Acts 2 and 47, it says, And the Lord added to the church daily such as should be saved. The Lord did that. All we got to do is go tell them. All we got to do is tell them how much Jesus loves them and how much, you know, all you got to do is go up to somebody and say, you know, you ever felt that empty place here? And you keep trying to fill it with stuff and just nothing seems to make nothing seems to make you happy. And you'll get people going, Yeah. As a matter of fact, yeah. Some seems like no matter what I do, I can't I can't be happy. Well that's because you're trying to fill that with something that it wasn't designed to be filled with. And I can tell you that when I felt that way, I I went to a church service or somebody told me a scripture and it just started getting into my spirit and one thing I mean you could just talk about your testimony all day long you know how you felt you know all those emotions that you felt I can't tell anybody sister Becker's testimony only she can do that 
Even if she told me her whole testimony, I'd probably forget stuff. I'd probably forget the important part. (laughs) But you'll never forget that as long as you live. And that's all you need to know. You know, I read that scripture at the beginning. You know, we got to do all things as unto the Lord. You are, you are an ambassador. You represent the Lord Jesus Christ to this world. Everything. They are watching. Somebody knows that. They're watching. People in the world know better sometimes what a Christian is supposed to act like than we do. And they're watching to see if we're real or not. They are watching, and they are deciding on their own. That person's just religious. I've seen that at the other church down there, and that one down there, and that one down there. They know if you're real or not. They know if you're phony or not. You can fool some of the people some of the time. (laughs) What's the rest of that say? But you can't fool all the people all the time. And the only one you're fooling is yourself. Because you're not fooling them and you're sure not fooling the Lord. Right? Lesson 8. The birth of the church. The death of a testator. Hebrews 9, 15 through 17. And for this cause he is the mediator of a new testament. That by means of death for the redemption of the transgressions that were under... The first testament, what was the first testament? The Old Testament, right? The Old Testament law, the Mosaic law. Hebrews nine fifteen through 17 is where I'm at. They which are called might receive the promise of eternal inheritance. That was us, right? For we, for where the testament is, where a testament is, Anybody have a will? Or some kind of vehicle like that in your life? They call them all kinds of things now. But it's something that says, here's what happens when I die. Here's who gets the 64 Impala. Here's who gets the house. Here's who gets the bank account. Here's where the life insurance policy goes. Here's how I'm paying for my funeral. Right? You can call that a testament. It's your personal testament on paper signed by a witness and by you saying, this is what I want to happen when I die. And if I'm on the machine, turn it off. Or whatever you have in your will, it's your, it's yours. Right? So this says in verse 16, For where a testament is, there must also of necessity be the death of a testator. So you are the testator of your your will, of your possessions or whatever. You what? Yeah, that. Yeah, your last will and testament, right? Your estate. Somebody's named the executor of your estate when you die. Because you can't have a say over your estate any longer, right? You're dead. For a testament is in is of force after men are dead. Makes sense, right? 
You, you can go get my copy of my will all you want and claim all you want, but as long as I'm living, I could change that thing tomorrow. People have rewritten their will on a napkin the day before they died and said, I don't want Billy Bob Joe Ray over here to get my car. I want Brother Becker to get it. <laughs> right. And my sons are going, what? <laughs> Dad, come on. Don't drive it in front of them, right? <laughs> For the testament is in force after man is dead. Otherwise, it is no of no strength at all while the testator liveth. So in order for us to have what we have, in order for the gospel to be available to whomsoever will, he had to die. Jesus had to die. In order for there to be a new birth, there had to be the death of the testator. So that the force of that testament came fully into play. Once you die... Every single last word on your last will and testament comes into force immediately. You all have all, nobody, don't lie. You've, every one of you has been watching TV at some point or another in your life. You've seen those movies where all the, the, the wealthy guy dies and all the families gathered in the big library with all the wood and they're all standing around waiting to get their share and the, the, the attorney shows up and reads the testament and and doesn't say anything anybody expected it to say. And some of them are going, oh, what? What do you mean I don't get the, what? Why does she get that? That never happens in our life. <laughs> right? Stuff comes out of the woodwork when somebody. <laughs> Attitudes and things that you never thought people had will just resurrect out of people. And you'd be like, where did that come from? All over some money or some stuff. But we have something so much greater that we have received and that is available to anybody out there that wants it. God made no specifications on who does and who does not get to experience the new birth. Nobody was left out. What did it say in the book of Acts for this promise? Well, we'll get there in a minute. There was a promise of the Holy Ghost. Jesus talked about it. And we'll get into this in a little bit, but the prophets talked about it. Luke 24, 47 through 49 says, And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached, proclaimed. That doesn't mean you have to have a preaching license to preach the gospel. A preacher is a proclaimer. Did you know that it's either the Mormons or the Seventh-day Adventists? They don't. They call their people that go out on the street and do all do that outreach. They call them publishers. That's what they call them. I didn't know that till the other day. I was reading that, just researching stuff about you know the Great Commission and witnessing and stuff like that. It's just really interesting. They call them publishers. You're publishing the gospel. Years ago, before they had like buses and stuff to advertise, they would have a guy, they would pay somebody to go out and wear a sandwich board. Anybody know what that is? Anybody not know what that is? I should have went and had had one made. A 
sandwich board was two big old long pieces of board as tall as me with a belt between the two with whatever you were trying to sell on both sides. And you'd hang that thing over your shoulder and you'd walk around with a bell in your hand. You know, buy this, buy that, whatever. That's how they advertised. And that's what God's expecting us to do. Not wear a sandwich board. (laughs) If God tells you to do that, do that. Don't just do that because you think that'll work. (laughs) If God didn't tell you to do that, it might not work. (laughs) might draw some attention to yourself, but I don't know if it's going to produce much. But God's going to tell you how he wants you to do it. And at a minimum, just... I know it's not in it's not in some of us to talk to people, strangers. But you know what? If God's prompting you to go talk to somebody, just go do it. Don't worry about what it's going to sound like. And if you end up sounding like an idiot, that was God's will anyway. Maybe he needs you to be humbled a little bit and sound like an idiot so that you can see somebody come to God and say, Hey, he can use me even when I make a mistake. That's how he made us, folks. You're going to make mistakes. I'm encouraging everybody in here today. You're going to mess up. You're going to say the wrong thing. Matter of fact, you might even be tempted to sin. This is not, has nothing to do with the message, the lesson this morning, but you know, God, First John says that He is our our advocate. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And if we sin, He's faithful and just to forgive us. It's okay. Don't don't get hung up on that. If you're a basketball player and you missed a shot, they tell you, don't get hung up on that one play. Just put it behind you and keep playing. Right? Make a mistake? God, forgive me for even thinking that. Jesus' name, plead the blood. Move on. Don't let the devil beat you up over that. Right? See, he don't want you to succeed at winning people to God. He wants to condemn you. He wants to talk about you like a dog. He wants to tell you in your head, you can't do anything right. Don't believe it. Don't even speak it out loud. Yeah, you're right. I can't do anything right. That's what he wants you to say. Now you've just confessed it. Don't confess that stuff. God didn't make no junk. We are his kings and priests. God didn't save you to be a to be a dummy. He he gave you power. Doesn't mean you're not gonna make mistakes. But don't let the devil tell you stuff that's not true about you. Your heavenly father loves you, and none of that stuff is true. If it's negative, it's not from God. There is something negative God's telling you. You'll know that it's from God. And he'll tell you that personally. You'll know. You'll know. If you're walking with God, if you're walking in the Holy Ghost, walking in the Spirit, you'll know that that's God. And it's not condemnation. What is it? Conviction, correction, instruction in righteousness. Name it. Just whatever you want to call it. I don't know about you folks, but I want to feel conviction every time I'm in this place around the people of God. 
Something's wrong if I don't feel conviction from the Holy Ghost about something in my life whenever I get in front of a man of God who's preaching or teaching the Word of God. I've got to pinch myself and say, what is wrong with me? Right? And that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in His name among all nations, beginning in Jerusalem and you are witnesses of these things, and behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until ye be endued with power from on high. John seven thirty seven through 39 In the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, great, great, Last great day of what feast? Feast of Tabernacles. Right? So as Jesus went to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles, this is where he was talking to the Jewish people right here. Jesus stood and cried, saying, If any man thirst, let him come to me and drink. What did the woman at the well, she was there because she wanted some water, right? What did he tell her? He said, You're coming here to get water out of this well, but the water that I give, you'll never thirst again if you drink this water. So what is one of the prerequisites for somebody receiving the gospel, coming to, know, coming to this opportunity to receive this new birth? To be thirsty. Anybody ever been thirsty? Is anybody thirsty right now? Hallelujah, Jesus. He that believeth on me, as the Scripture has said, that's key right there. It's not just a simple matter of believe and just just blind belief. You've got to believe as the Scripture has said. You've got to tell them that. Well, how do you do that? Well, you know how you got saved, don't you? That's what. I, that's the whole point of all of this. You can teach a Bible study. You can you you can go show somebody, well, here's how it happened to me. And you can go right to those scriptures and say, here's where it all started. Somebody preached a message and they took me to this book right here. And you, you that's where you got to have some Bibles in your house that you can, you, you need to buy a box of Bibles. You need to give away some Bibles. Give them away. Spend the money. Buy the ones that have the, the doctrine in the middle of them. It might cost you seven to ten bucks a Bible. Get some Bibles. Give them away. Put it in their hand. Let them read it out loud. Let them hear themselves saying it. Don't do all the, you know, when you're in a Bible study, don't do all the talking. Give them an opportunity to read it. Here, let's read this together. Because when you hear yourself saying something, you're going to remember it. Right? That's how I learned all the rank structure in the army. They had me repeat that over and over and over and over and over. Till I knew it forwards and backwards. Not what what it was, but what it looked like. We had to, we had to say this the rank and send, and then say what it was. Three stripes up and a rocker. Four stripes up and a rocker. Whatever it was. Three up, two down. Whatever. Right? You had, they wanted you to know that. They were indoctrinating you. 
Faith cometh by hearing. Hearing by the Word of God. Let them hear themselves saying the Scripture out loud. But this he spake of the Spirit, which they that believe on him should receive. For the Holy Ghost was not yet given, because that Jesus was not yet glorified. So even Jesus was telling them ahead of time, there's something called the Holy Ghost or the Holy Spirit that's coming. But not yet. Because Jesus had not yet. He hadn't been glorified yet, but he was about to be. I haven't made a million dollars yet, but maybe there will come a day. I don't know. But I'm not going to just stop pursuing that because I haven't yet. You haven't graduated from high school yet, but you're going to, right? Right? It's in the future. It's You can see it. It's right there almost. You can almost touch it, right? Next year, right? As long as the Lord tarries and you're still living then, you're going to graduate from high school. And then life starts all over again. <laughs> I know. I've been there. I was 18 once. <laughs> Don't want to ever go back there. <laughs> Thank you, God, for getting me through that. Because it was only God that got me through those times. Hallelujah. Acts 1 and 8. But ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. He was talking to a group of people, about 120, give or take, who had never received the Holy Ghost. They were all, they were Jews. It was his mother. It was just all kinds of people he was talking to. God's no respecter of persons. It was to whoever is listening, whoever hears this, he's going to fill you with the Holy Ghost. If Bob were here, he's going to fill Bob with the Holy Ghost. Not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. How do we know when? I don't know. But God knows. God knows the day and the hour that you were born. He knows the day of your birth and the day of your death. That's what the book says. So what it, you know, the Bible says that that our life is but a vapor. My whole life, if I live to be 120, what was that? that was the number you use or 150? If I live to be 150 and I'm only 63 right now, I'm I'm about halfway there, give or take. I'm a little less than halfway there, so I'm still pretty young. If that amount of time, 150 years, is but a vapor, what is this moment we're living in right now? It's right now, this right now. It's less than a vapor. But God's got all that in His hands. He wants to fill everybody with the Holy Ghost that wants it, that understands it and wants to receive it. There's nothing you can do to make God give you the Holy Ghost. Nothing. You can't twist His arm. You can't beg Him. He hates that when you beg. Why does He hate that? Because you hated it when your kids were begging you for something, right? You don't have to beg me. Just ask. I'll give it to you. Certain things, right? Because sometimes we had to tell them, no, you don't need that. God hates it when we beg Him. He's our Heavenly Father. You don't have to beg Him. He wants to give it to you. And He told them, You shall be witnesses unto Me both in Jerusalem and all of Judea. He kept going out like this. 
Samaria and to the uttermost parts of the earth. So our our outreach is not limited to lacrosse, Sister Barb. Because people come from Toma all the time to lacrosse, or they come from other places <coughs> to lacrosse. They're not from here. They may even come in from out of town. And you just might be happen to be sitting in the family restaurant eating a meal, and there might be somebody sitting next to you that's here for a bass fishing tournament that's from Alabama. And God might tell you to say something to that person. And that might be the only thing you're supposed to do that day was say that, give that word to that person. That's it. And you say, have a nice day, and you go on about your business. And they take that word that you gave them, and it sticks in their craw. And they go back to Alabama, and somebody else God sends along to water that. Some plant. Right? You just might be there in that moment to plant the seed. You might be there to water that. That doesn't mean you're going to see the fruit of it, but God might have you there watering something that somebody else said to them on an airplane and sitting next to them in a seat on an airplane. And God's, God knows the process. Some plant, some water, but it's God that gives the increase. I was telling Brother Becker there was a guy in the Air Force when we were in Okinawa that wasn't even a licensed ministry yet, and I think he's now the district superintendent of Colorado or something. But he talked to an Air Force officer about the gospel and he taught him a couple of Bible studies, and then the guy left. Got PCS back to the state. He thought, man, I didn't get to see him get the Holy Ghost. Man. A couple years later, he got PCS back to Okinawa. He found Brother Plummer, and he was like, man, I am so glad you taught me that Bible study. He said, man, I went back to the States, and I just it just just got into my craw. He said, I had to go find a church. So I went and found a church, and I got the Holy Ghost, and I got baptized in Jesus' name. And, and Brother Plummer was so excited, and this guy was so excited. So you never know. God might not want you to see the fruit of your efforts. Just do what he's asking you to do. Let him worry about the rest. Good to see you come in, Bob. Hallelujah, Jesus. Acts 2, 1 through 4, the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. Got to hurry up. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. They'd never heard that before. Nobody had a clue up to that moment how it was going to happen, but here come the promise of the Father. This is the first time. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. Can you imagine that? I've been in a typhoon before, and that wind, when it's going, it's just, whoo, it's just whistling like a train. And that's what it sounded like in that room. That's what I imagined it to be. Just a wind that was just so powerful that it was just whistling. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. You know, God's done that in our in our generation, in our lifetime. We've had churches where they've people have literally in the neighborhood called the fire department on the church because they saw flames coming out the roof. That really happened. And when the fire department guys showed up in the back door of the church, there's no fire, there's no smoke, and they're Everybody's going, what's the fire department doing here? And God just started filling them with the Holy Ghost one at a time. The minute they walked in the door, that's how powerful the Spirit of God was moving in that church. 
So that stuff is not just for then. That's for today. I want to see that happen right here. I don't want to see the fire department pull up here because somebody's having a coronary. I want to see the fire department pull up here because there's flames, Holy Ghost flames coming out of the roof, and people are actually seeing it across the street. Don't you want to see that happen? I mean, hallelujah. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. He didn't pick and choose people out of that room that day. He filled them all with the Holy Ghost. Whoever was faithful, whoever said, okay, Jesus, the last thing he said was, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. I don't know. And you know what was funny at that moment? Jesus was taken up. And they're all doing one of these like this, watching him go up. And all of a sudden, two guys were standing there and said, why are you looking up? Why stand you gazing up?" Why are you all standing there looking up in the sky? He just gave you what to do. Go do that. You'll, you'll, the same thing you see, the same way you saw him going up, you're going to see him coming down. And so they were faithful. Those 120 or so, they were faithful. Can you imagine seven to ten day prayer meeting? No, nobody in this room can imagine. I can't hardly imagine that. Okay, I'm not going to lie to you. They couldn't have been praying out loud the whole time. They'd have lost their voice. <laughs> but they had to be doing some kind of praying. They had instruction on how to pray, right? Jesus, They asked Jesus how to pray. And he told them. And they, the, the Jews were used to praying to the invisible God. So they, however they prayed, nobody gave them specific instructions on what to say or how to pray, but they prayed. Because he told them, don't ask me how, don't ask me why. This was all implied when, in what he said. Don't give me, don't ask me for a time frame. Just go to the upper room and pray, and tarry there until you be endued with power from on, t- on high. Don't go to work. Don't go home. Stay there. If God asked some of us to do that today, we would be like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. Well, the, the Bible says that we're above 500 when he was resurrected that he spoke with, but only 120 or so showed up in the upper room. So where'd the other 300-something people go? It wasn't important enough to them. And I just believe that maybe later they they were one of the ones that people went to their houses and said, man, you should have been there. Man, you should have stayed. Man, man, you missed it, but here I am. Don't be forlorn. Don't be forsaken. God still wants to fill you with the Holy Ghost. Right? Acts 2, 5 through 13. And there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. There was a whole bunch of people there. Now when they were, this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded because that everyone... Every man heard them speak in his own language. They just weren't saying a bunch of gobbledygook. It was called glossolalia. It was tongues. It was actual languages. And they were amazed and marveled and saying one to another, Behold, are not all these that speak Galileans? How in the world can these dumb Galileans know how to speak in our languages? (laughs) And how hear we every man in in our own tongue wherein we were born? 
Parthians and Medes and Elamites and dwellers in Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia and Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia and Egypt. Man, I went right through that and didn't miss one. <laughs> Hallelujah. In all parts of Libya and Cyrene and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes and Arabians, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. So when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're actually glorifying God with whatever language He gives you. If it's ancient Hebrew, if it's Spanish, if it's Japanese. The lady that was in a, we were in a prayer meeting and a lady in Japan received the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget this. Sister Okadira, and she received the Holy Ghost speaking in perfect English. And somebody turned around to his, her, one of her daughters who spoke English and said, Does your mom know English? Nope. One word, maybe. So we knew that was God. <laughs> she had no idea what she was saying. But what was she saying in English? She was glorifying God. And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. They're a bunch of drunks. People are going to mock you for what you believe and what you have. People are going to make fun of you. But there's some people that are going to go, You know, there is. You're going to go to work one day, and God's going to say, What? Bob, you're going to go show up at that apartment one day after you get the Holy Ghost, and they're going to look at you and say, there's something different about you, Bob. Did you get your hair cut? You know, they're going to, they're not going to be able to figure it out. Because something different, there's going to be a glow about you that wasn't there before. I'll never forget the girl, the Marine in Okinawa, that got the Holy Ghost. And I'll never forget this to this day, Sister Linda. She glowed like a light bulb. I saw it. I don't know if anybody else saw it, but God let me see that. And there was a glow on that girl. And she was never the same after that. And before that, she would have cussed wallpaper off the wall. But God turned her around, and she ended up marrying a preacher and coming back to the States and getting out of the Marine Corps. I mean, it's just God will just do amazing things if we'll just get our flesh out of the way. Amen? This is what we're doing here. This is why we're here. This is not so I can tell you this stuff. I'm trying to encourage you and equip you so that you can go out and tell somebody else this stuff. You don't have to say it the way Brother Demuth said it. Let God use you and your voice and your mind to say it the way He wants you to say it. It's okay. You good? Okay. Praise God. It's 1030. Let's all stand. Because I could just keep going. I won't. <laughs> we'll pick this up next Sunday. The good Lord willing and the creek don't rise, right? Amen. Father, we love you. We praise you. We honor you. We bless you. We thank you for your great goodness and mercy and grace, for allowing us to hear what you allowed us to hear today, Lord, that we would take it to heart, that we would take it, O oh God, and chew upon it, that we would take it. Lord, I pray that the devil doesn't take any of this away out of the hearts and minds of anybody that's heard this today, whether it's here physically or online, Lord, that you have brought the ones in that needed to hear what needed to be said today. Lord, let it stick in their crawl. Let it stick to their ribs like peanut butter. Lord, let it stick in there, Lord, and let them, let them chew on it, Lord. Use this. Lord, to take us to a place we've never been before in you. Even if it's just a little bit, take us up a little higher, Lord. Take us a little deeper in you. Lord, we want that deep and and meaningful relationship with you, Lord, where you can use us to do things we never thought we could do. 
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Fifteen minutes. Let's be back. Hear from our pastor.